Aside from Rome, there are few cities that are as much defined by fire as Chicago. We all know that the Great Chicago Fire was one of the most destructive uh, in living, maybe not living memory, but in recorded history. Uh, what you might not know, but you would know if you're from the area of Wisconsin I'm from, is that it happened at the same time as the Great Peshtigo Fire, which was even more destructive because all the firemen went to Chicago to fight the fire here. Given the amazing amount of destructiveness of fire, it's quite a moment in human evolution when this force was domesticated. You can imagine the emotional threshold one would have to get by in order to think, I'm going to take that fire and make use of it because it's so dangerous. Before that, fire was simply destructive from the human primate point of view. But once man learned to control it, there were many immediate constructive benefits, such as having an artificial source of light for security. The ability to cook meat and vegetables reduced the amount of energy needed for digesting food, and this meant that uh, human beings needed to sleep less and had, could stay up later. This may also have allowed the human skull to develop and evolve more space for the brain, because human jaws don't have to work quite as hard to chew food. Later on, fire was put to good use in refining and forging metals and even cauterizing wounds, etc., etc. Today, we've even learned to set forest fires deliberately, as we have discovered that even these fires, while appearing extremely destructive, have many constructive uses. For instance, they break open seeds that need these intense, this intense heat in order to be germinated. And also, it clears away brush and gives the trees a new start good fertilized soil, and so on. So I mention all this because when we hear Jesus say he's come to cast fire over the earth, which of these versions do we hear? Do we hear the destructive fire? Or do we hear something constructive or purifying, perhaps? Partly one and partly the other. Is it possible that each of us has seeds of grace locked inside cones in, in our souls that need this intense fire to break out and really take root? Do we have a buildup of old and decaying brush cluttering up the soil of our souls? And if so, are we willing to have Christ set these things on fire? Are we willing to undergo that? St. Paul, in his first letter to the Corinthians, uses fire as a symbol of judgment. Each man's work will be revealed with fire. So the work we're doing, he says, is like building. We can build with gold, silver, stones, or we can build with wood and hay and stubble, and the latter's going to get burned up in this fire. So how are we building our spiritual lives? How do we apply this to our immediate circumstances? What would it mean to submit to that fire that Christ has come to cast on the earth? To begin to answer this, I want to look at the figure of Jeremiah in the first reading. In Matthew's Gospel, Jeremiah is associated with several figures who are connected to fire. When at Caesarea, Jesus asks his disciples who that people say the Son of Man is, the choices they give him are John the Baptist, Elijah, and Jeremiah. Which is interesting. Elijah drew down fire from heaven and left the earth in a chariot of fire. John the Baptist preached that every tree that doesn't bear good fruit will be thrown into the fire, and he prophesied one greater than himself, 
who was to baptize in the Holy Spirit and fire. So the prophet Jeremiah, in people's minds, is somehow connected with these figures. He's actually one of the great types of Christ in the Old Testament, though we often don't think of him that way. If Jeremiah was on fire in any way, and uh, he's not one you necessarily associate with fire, it was to preach a word that no one wanted to hear. And it cost him quite dearly. According to tradition, he died a violent death in Egypt, in exile. So it's very interesting that many thought that Jesus was Jeremiah returned. With this background, I'm going to return now to this question. If we are to undergo a judgment by fire that will purify us, getting rid of stubble and decay, and sparking divine life in us, how will we know this is happening? What's, what's the prompt? What will it feel like? Is it happening now? How would we know? I'm going to say it's probably not going to be like being on fire in the sense of obviously good and affirming and uh, something that will make us popular if Jeremiah is any indication. Because it might look more like Jeremiah being thrown into the pit or Jesus descending into hell. This perhaps sounds a bit too depressing, but let's be honest about today's reading. What Jesus is saying in the Gospels is anything but consoling when we first hear it. Now, correctly understood, it contains a great amount of consolation, especially for those of us who are undergoing any kind of trial, any kind of doubts, sickness, persecution, failure, and so on. When these sufferings, these trials arise, by the way, this word trial, you know, we, we use this, uh, we try things with fire to see if they're worthy uh, to go out in the world. So if we are put to the test, if we're tried by fire, by suffering, uh, and sufferings will come, there's nothing we can do to stop that, will I receive this suffering as a visitation of the purifying, the purifying fire that Christ came to kindle and cast on the earth? St. Peter, in his first letter, makes just this connection that I'm making. Beloved, he says, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal which comes upon you to prove you, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's suffering, because the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. There's the Holy Spirit and fire together again, purifying us as we share in Christ's suffering. So when the gospel requires of me, for, for example, to undergo ridicule, to lose worldly status, or even causes a division with a family member or a friend, can I choose that suffering? Can I choose to be purified by this fire of Christ? Can I join my suffering to Christ to see with the eyes of faith my baptism, the promise I made to be a disciple of Christ, my baptism being fulfilled in this suffering, in this death to myself, and see what happens at Jesus' baptism, the Holy Spirit coming to rest upon me in that to console me. Let us consider one last important saint associated with fire. The Virgin Mary was seen as the fulfillment of the burning bush. She received the divine word, that fire in her own flesh, and yet her human nature was not consumed by it. Mary remained united with this fire, and the immediate result was not separated from deep sorrow. A sword pierced her heart, 
as the Holy Family was pursued by Herod, as her son was rejected and misunderstood even by those closest to her in her own family, and finally her only son was cruelly put to death. In the spiritual life, what allows us to distinguish between the destructive power of this fire, this suffering, and the constructive purifying power of the divine fire of the Holy Spirit. What is it? It is faith. It is faith that allows us to do that. With faith, we might even grow to desire that Christ's fire be kindled in our lives, as he desired it to be blazing. If we knew the gift of God, the Holy Spirit, we could welcome this fire in whatever form it assumes. And this is a fire that will not be domesticated or tamed. Rather, it will propel us heavenward toward the unshakable divine peace that surpasses all of our understanding.